Hello and welcome to another edition of our Parentline podcast. Uh, today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Claire Ann from Carers NI. We chatted about um, caring behind closed doors. We also chatted about the increase in parent carers during the current um, COVID-19 crisis. And we also chatted about what help and support there's available for parent carers out there. I hope you enjoy the show and don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Parentline Podcast, where we discuss the joys and challenges of modern parenting and explore how we as parents can give our children the best start in life. So welcome to our Parentline Podcast. Claran, I really appreciate you taking the time. So can you tell me a little bit about Carers NI? Yes, so we are part of Carers UK. We're a regional organisation based in Belfast, but working across Northern Ireland. We provide advice and information and support to carers, so people who are looking after someone who's elderly, ill or disabled. And that comes in a variety of different ways. So we have our website, which is filled with fact sheets and information for carers. And it's been kept up to date, obviously, in line with all the COVID guidance and things that is changing quite rapidly. But we also provide a regional advice line service. So similar to, similar to your own advice line, um, we're supporting carers that way. So it's a small enough uh, team in Northern Ireland. There's only three of us. So our advice line runs five days a week. Um, and at the moment, we're taking on average about 300 calls from carers across Northern Ireland on issues ranging from uh, financial support, right? How, how are we getting, with no money at the moment, or there's not enough money coming into the house, how are we getting some financial support, right through to how do I access carers' assessments or carers' allowance, or even just some of the emotional support that has been yeah. really required, I suppose, at the moment. Um, yeah. The other element of our work is very much around training. So we work with carers groups across Northern Ireland and other community and voluntary organisations and employers, actually, to deliver training and support for their staff or for their members who may be caring, giving them an idea of what rights and entitlements they have. Mm-hmm. And then we also do, I suppose, a big part of our work at the moment is very much based around the policy side of the house, very much focusing on getting more rights and services in place for, for carers. And it's been a, I don't need to tell you this, it's been a bit of a struggle at times. Um, the workload has been huge at the moment and it's very hard to keep up with everything. But the policy and campaigning element is something that we're, we're very keen to do because, as I'm sure we'll talk about later on and throughout this discussion, the legislation and the strategies and the supports for carers are, are very much outdated and are in desperate need of a revamp and sort of brought into the 21st century, I suppose. And there's a bit of momentum building too, which is good, but we're starting to see some movement now on the hill with some of the stuff in relation to carers, which is great. Mm -hmm. And are there many carers in Northern Ireland? And also, is there a difference? Because people may not um, know if there is a difference, actually, between when you speak of a carer, sometimes I think of you know, the way I look after my mum, I would care for my mum, or it's different to how I look after my children. Is there a distinction there? Well, to to start off, I mean, the the census data shows there's probably about 220,000 carers in Northern Ireland now that's obviously pre-COVID. And we've always felt that that was a huge underestimation because a lot of people, as you rightly say there, don't actually even see themselves as carers sometimes. They just see themselves as a daughter looking after an elderly mother um, or perhaps, you know, a parent looking after a child with a learning disability. But sure, that's part of that's part of what I'm supposed to do anyway. That's my role. And whilst I don't like putting labels on people, actually sometimes by identifying yourself as having that additional caring role, it can open the doors to a few other services and supports. 
everyone's caring journey is very unique. I mean, there's no two caring experiences will be will be the same by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we do see slight variations, I suppose, in, in people's experiences of caring, depending on their own age and their own family circumstances and also with the, by the condition of the person that they're caring for. So if you're caring for an elderly relative with dementia and still trying to work and balance that work and care, that could have a really significant impact on you as an individual. Whereas maybe if you're caring for somebody who and you don't work and, you know, it's maybe only you're caring maybe six to seven hours a week, maybe call into the house just to check in there. OK, and you're providing more emotional support, but that maybe has a slightly different impact on, on you. Okay. So it does vary from from caring experience to caring experience. Yeah, that's very interesting. And you actually recently published a report called Caring Behind Closed Doors. Can you sort of tell me a little bit more about that and what you find? Yeah, so this was actually the second survey and report that we've, we've done through COVID. We did one back in April. And I suppose really initially the April survey and report was very much about capturing the initial fears and concerns of carers across Northern Ireland and indeed the UK. And that was very much around, you know, not having enough information, access to information, special educational schools just closed or day centres are closed. What are we doing next? You know, who's going to provide these services and supports? And there's a lot of concerns around PPE and the spread of the mm-hmm. virus. They still are existing. Those issues are still certainly there in our, in our second report, that, which we issued there just a few weeks back. But what we're seeing now is actually the impact that, that having to care for that long period of time is now having on carers here. So... In the October survey, we had 761 responses from carers in Northern Ireland, and 85% of carers said that they were providing more care now than they were pre-COVID. And that was mainly due to local services reducing or closing, so day centres maybe closing, or even community and voluntary sector organisations weren't able to provide short break provisions that maybe they had done before. But also because the needs of the person that they were caring for became more complex. A lot of carers had sort of identified that whilst the person they care for might have had a physical disability, actually the mental health issues through COVID have really started mm-hmm. to exacerbate. You know, they didn't want to leave the house at all. They were getting really anxious and maybe were having issues of just flying off the handle at the very littlest things and that so and sort of outbursts that maybe weren't normal to them. So the needs of the person caring for became more complex and therefore the caring role became more complex. But also they were providing more care because we rely on our friends and our family to help us out every now and again with yeah. little bits, even if it is yeah. just to nip down to the shops or to go to a meeting or something in maybe your child's school or something. You Maybe your, your mother or your neighbour might have nipped in and sat with the person that you're caring for for a little while. And that was all out of sync. That hasn't been able to happen now as a result of COVID unless you're in that bubble. So yeah. they were the very real sort of immediate impacts that came out in this report. But then on the back of that, what we've seen is because people are caring for longer and caring more than they did do before, there's a lot of um, mental health impacts on that. So what we did find is that 61% of carers hadn't had a break at all during this COVID wow. pandemic, yeah. which is which is huge. And because yeah. of that, 65% of carers said their mental health had worsened. 73% said they felt absolutely exhausted and worn out and 45% were at breaking point altogether. And that's very concerning for us. And it's one of the big takes that I took out of the report was this, this longer term impact and actually what we're... What we need to start doing now is thinking more about not just getting services back in place now, but how do we support these people? Because this is going to be a long journey ahead of us. The winter months are yeah. coming. You know, we've just seen it now, you know, the current lockdown restrictions in Northern Ireland and the potential for more. You know, a lot of nearly three quarters of respondents were terrified of what was coming yeah. over the winter pressures as well. So there's an awful lot to consider there. And these kind of surveys, and I know a lot of people have been doing a lot of surveys recently, and we do appreciate everybody who, who provided a response and who shared this survey but actually this is stuff that we then feed up to the health and social care trust and to the board and to the department 
and to the media and, and try and really raise the profile of carers and try to get some of these issues addressed. And was there a difference in the survey results between women and between parents as well? Well, to be fair, actually, about 85% of the respondents in Northern Ireland to our survey were women. So actually, the survey is pretty broadly representative of what we would see Mm -hmm. for women. There is a a generally sort of historically um, a sort of a 60-40 split between women and men in relation to caring roles. Um, But now that does change as as the age groups get older. So more older male carers will be providing support than necessarily the female carers. So the report is generally focused on, on women in caring, I suppose, really be fair to say that. There wasn't much variation in that. What we did find was some variations um, in relation to parent carers in comparison to the overall carer cohort, which I thought might be interesting for you today. So one of the things that we found was that whilst 45% of carers across Northern Ireland were providing more care and support because services had been reduced, actually that shot up to 64%. And parent oh. carers, so more yeah. parent carers were, were taking on the burden of caring because local mm-hmm. services had, had reduced. 70% of parent carers said they hadn't had a break at all during caring in comparison to the 61%. So again, more parent carers seem to be struggling than the other cohorts of carers. And that did come out in relation to the mental health aspect. And I did touch on earlier about the percentage of 73% feeling exhausted and worn out. Mm-hmm. That actually jumped to 81% for parent carers. So parent carers really, 54% of them were at breaking point, 53% said they felt lonely and cut off from people, and 65% were worried about what would happen in case of an emergency. And the big one that jumped out in me, um, because I knew I was obviously coming to speak to you today in relation to parent carers, was that 71% of parent carers said their mental health had worsened. And that's in comparison to the 65% from, from other carers. So yeah. there's some very key things there that were, were jumping out at me. And one of the other aspects of it that was quite interesting was in relation to the financial issue for caring. Mm-hmm. And we know obviously caring has a huge financial impact on everybody, but yeah. the parent carers element actually seemed to be more disadvantaged in the sense okay. uh, 43% of, of parent carers who responded to our survey were claiming carers alliance. And that was in comparison to about a quarter, sort of 26% or so of other carers. You know, so we were finding more parent carers were struggling to make ends meet. They were spending more money in caring. Obviously, if they've got Mm -hmm. the young person who maybe might have been at school for most of the day. Particularly Mm -hmm. thinking back to the early days of of lockdown, you know, if they were at school most of the day, perhaps you're spending more money on maybe Netflix subscriptions or food, Mm -hmm. heating. I mean, I know myself, my heating's always on at the moment, you know, and that's just Mm -hmm. with me in the house. So we were finding parent carers were struggling both financially and that may have sort of led to the mental health impacts as well. Yeah. And what do carers say would actually help them cope in the current situation? So broadly broadly speaking, carers did sort of have the same general sense of what what they would like to see put back in place to to support them. But I I pulled out the parent carer one specifically for, for this discussion and the top of the list, as we would probably expect to see, is more support from health and social care trusts and local services. Really, access to breaks and replacement care were, were top of everybody's list, particularly parent carers. There was a, a sort of a third area around a rise in carers alliance, which is um, the main benefit that carers are entitled, some carers are entitled to, and increased financial support was a big one too. One that did come up and it came up actually top for most carers and particularly for parent carers was more help with contingency planning. So that whole idea mm-hmm. of what happens if something happens to me, who looks after yeah. the, my child or, you know, what, what's going to happen, what's going to be put in place there. So they were the main the main headlines of what parent carers particularly wanted to see 
introduced. Parentline has seen an increase in the number of parents um, contacting the helpline mm-hmm. around a, a lot of issues, but one of them is about that financial aspect. So what financial help is there available for carers? Because I'm sure there are some people that are caring now uh, that wouldn't have been caring before and they're not aware of what support there is available. Yeah, unfortunately, Carers Alliance, which is the main benefit for for most carers um, does have quite a strict eligibility criteria. So I, I would suggest that you make sure you get that checked out. I, you can either get a benefits check. I mean, we can obviously, we can offer that through our advice line, but make the call or, or, or similar can, can offer that. Mm-hmm. Carers Alliance is £67.25 a week. It's not a huge amount of money, no. really. Yeah. Uh, when you break it down to the fact that it's based on, you have to prove you're providing 35 hours care a week or more. So it really works out about £1.92 an hour. I don't know anybody that would work for £1.92 an hour. No, No, you wouldn't expect anybody to do that. So, But we're expecting carers who, and only those who are eligible to do it. So in order to be eligible for for Carers Alliance, the person you're caring for has to qualify for one of the benefits. So the likes of PIP Mm -hmm. or DLA, for example, from the qualifying benefits, you have to be providing care for 35 hours a week or more. You can't earn more than £128 a week can't be in full-time education you have to be over 16 years of age now one of the good things that did come out of I suppose COVID in the sense is for Carers Alliance they have allowed those 35 hours to include emotional support which wasn't there before so pre-COVID you know your 35 hours had to prove really had to be practical supports that you were delivering Mm -hmm. whereas now they've included emotional support as part of that COVID response which is good but as I say it's not really it's not open to everybody. It's not available no. to all carers. And actually, I think there's only about 40,000 carers in Northern Ireland actually receive carers allowance. But even the ones that do receive a Claran, I don't think that really reflects the job that they do. Absolutely not. I mean, we've heard the stat bashed around an awful lot. You know, carers are saving the Northern Ireland economy £4.6 billion per year. Wow. And that was before covid yeah. And we know that carers are taking the brunt of, of the COVID burden at the moment. So that, that figure is bound to be, to be a lot higher. It definitely doesn't, in my opinion, anywhere near meet what it should be offering for, for carers. And I suppose the issue around financial support has always been, it's been a long-standing one. We are doing a campaign at the moment as part of Carers UK called Fairer for Carers. And mm-hmm. we'll be stepping up that campaign now this winter to try and encourage I suppose Department of Work and Pensions in London and the equivalent of Department for Department for Communities here in Northern Ireland to really do something to look at the Carers Alliance element of supporting carers because it actually it, it's pittance really. And um, we've yeah. seen our colleagues in, in Scotland, for example, have taken Social Security as a devolved matter. So they have taken that yeah. on um, and they have rejigged the Carers Alliance and the financial support they're giving to carers in, in you know, a more positive way, I would say. Mm-hmm. They've introduced supplementary payments for, for carers during COVID. So they had, a, I think, an extra £200 sort of going towards those who are in receipt of Carers Alliance back in June. And they'll offer another one now coming up in December as well. So it's definitely an area we need to see Department for Communities doing a bit more on and trying to, mm-hmm. to support more carers. The financial impact of caring is huge for a lot of people who can't work. And we get calls to our advice line on a regular basis. People yeah. who are sort of maybe sitting in that borderline area, maybe working part time and to take your point back again, Ellen, about women, particularly yeah. providing more caring roles than, than mm-hmm. men. Women tend to be in those lower paid part-time yeah. positions. And mm-hmm. they're the ones that are having are calling us saying, I need to decide whether it's actually worth my while to work because I can't do both at the minute. How much yeah. can I physically earn? And how much can I get if I go on a benefit? So a lot of women are coming out of work just to yeah. provide care and they're getting this pittance, I suppose, the 67 yeah. pounds a week just to do that. And to save yeah. the state an absolute fortune in the long run. 
Yeah. And it just seems to me as if, you know, over the years, the services and the financial support to carers has been reducing for a good number of years. So do you think that more people are having to step in because of those cuts? So there's more people having to take on a caring role that you may not actually know about? Absolutely. I mean, it does come back to that identification of of seeing yourself as a a carer in the first place. But we did a piece of work um, earlier in the year all my reports are blurring into one at the minute but I remember it was carers week or just before that and we did a piece of work uh, that showed that during Covid there's an estimated 98,000 new carers in Northern Ireland just as a result of Covid so I mean there are a lot of people that maybe don't know that they've just been sort of thrust into the caring role you know for some people caring can happen like that you can be just thrown straight into it if you have a cancer diagnosis for example or a child has a diagnosis or there's a car accident or a stroke or something new carers could be just thrust straight into it and their immediate concern isn't can I get carers allowance their immediate concern is about the person that they're looking after and so mm-hmm. sometimes it takes them a while to come around to the idea of what caring is actually going to look like for them and, and whether or not they there is support out there for them but then there's the other cohort of people who caring creeps up so slowly. You know, if you're looking after someone with dementia, for example, that you've maybe been delivering pharmacy prescriptions or picking yeah. medicines up or taking to GP appointments over the years, that can creep up really slowly. And then you don't see yourself as caring and therefore don't see that there's other supports out there for you. So there's an awful lot, I think, of people out there who have taken on the role of caring, especially during covid and maybe haven't realised actually that what they're doing is above and beyond what I would say normal families yeah. are expected to do. Yeah. And I think that's something that we need to be doing a lot more of. And it's certainly discussions we've been having with the, the trusts and the board and the department, you know, about raising the profile of carers. And, you know, any one of us can be a carer at any given moment. And how do people know where to go to get that support if it happens to them? Yeah, I'm actually looking at the executive and the, the trusts and the, the policy side of what you do. I mean, what would you like to see the executive and the trusts do to support carers? Oh, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> it is one of those. As long as you want. Here's a wish list. <laughs> um, I suppose realistically, at this at this moment in time, we, we do want to see the trusts and the board really putting a lot into the reset and recovery plans and supporting carers and delivering services back as soon and as safely as possible. And I completely understand, you know, with COVID around, we can't just open the day centres to everybody who had that access to before. There's obviously, you know, health and safety issues we need to consider and infection control. And that's absolutely right. And and, and so it should be. But we need to do something. And we need to see the trusts working with the community and voluntary sector as well, who have stepped up hugely throughout all of this. I mean, you know yourself how much the work the community and voluntary sector have done to alleviate some of the what would have been additional pressures on the health and social care trusts had it not been for them. So we want to see the trust doing a bit more around that. And we also want to see the trust doing a bit more co-production, I suppose, with, with carers, particularly in relation to those reset and recovery plans and making sure they're communicating with carers about what might work, what would they like to see happening, how would they like to reopen this, this particular day centre, what would that look like and, and how would that work for them? So we, need, we definitely need to see that. I think in the longer term, medium to longer term, we need to see the executive coming together to do more for carers. We need, I think I said earlier, you know, our carer strategies, 2006, the Carers and Direct Payments Act was released in 2002 and they haven't been updated since. We need to see more up-to-date guidance and legislation for carers to support them in their role, whether that is in one specific Carers Act and sort of encompassing everything, or whether that is through different pieces of legislation. I know some MLAs are currently working on private members' bills, 
that will have an impact on carers, you know, whether that's around carers leave or direct payments. We know the mental health strategy, for example, we're doing a lot of work at the moment in the carers section of the mental health strategy. And we'll make sure we get stuff in there that will support carers who are looking after someone with mental health issues, but who could also then support other carers by the same thread. So there's definitely a lot of stuff that we, we would like to see happening, but as with anything, it's it's a slow process. It's taken a long time. Uh, we are in the process also working very closely with a few MLAs. One in particular is hoping to set up an all-party group on carers, which we're hoping is going to take place now this month. And we we hope that that will shine more light uh, on the carers' issues. And we do feel that there's been a lot of momentum in relation yeah. to carers recently, whether that's through media, whether it's through the likes of our report, whether it's through social media, for example, you can see the issues that carers are facing every day on social media. And we're, we're using that momentum as best we can. And we're trying to work with other community and voluntary sector organisations and some and, and carer-led groups themselves to see what we can do collaboratively to make sure we're keeping the pressure on, on Stormont Executive. The difficulty yeah. is that whilst carers predominantly sits within health, it's not solely a health issue. So you've got mm-hmm. young carers, for example. So we talk very much about, you know, parent carers. You know, if you're looking after other children within that household, the siblings become carers by default. So we'll have mm-hmm. younger carers involved as well. And, you know, what can we do to support them? There's got to be stuff that, that needs to, to happen to give them a bit more, I suppose, support with their education as well, you know, and understanding from the education's point of view. So we need to work with the Department of Education for that. They don't, they don't currently collect stats or data on young carers in, in the education system. But we also need to work with the Department for Economy as well. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of carers in work. You know, 15% of our workforce in Northern Ireland are juggling work and care. Mm-hmm. And again, that's only the ones we know of. But we've got to work yeah. with employers and we've got to work with the Department for the Economy to, to make sure that carers are getting that flexible working, you know, that mm-hmm. flexible working requests are being granted. Maybe the introduction of carers leave, which is one of the private members bills that one of our local MLAs has taken on board as well. So there's lots there. And obviously, Department for Communities uh, oversee the likes of Carers Alliance. So that's another area of of joined up work. And I think we need to see if we get a new strategy for carers, we want to see each of the relevant departments getting involved because you've also got infrastructure because rural carers don't have access yeah. to you know services and supports because transport issues so it's really something we'd like to see a bit like the children's services cooperation bill something like yeah. that we need to see more joined up working across the executive departments yeah can I actually take you back to you were mentioning about employers and people working in a caring role can you tell me a little bit more about that I mean what can employers do to support their workforce that also has a caring role yeah, so I suppose the first thing really is to to let the workforce know that they understand that people in their workforce will have caring responsibilities in some way, shape or form, whether that's on dependent children or yeah. as family part of family cares. So I think just talking about those those issues is good. We have a number of organisations that we're involved with, um, both in Northern Ireland and across the UK, who are what we consider care-friendly employers, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have care-positive schemes running in Scotland, and then we've got employers for care schemes running across the other nations too. And those sort of things, they introduce the likes of flexible work, and they'll introduce the likes of carers leave, maybe a staff network, a support network for family carers who can come along mm-hmm. and chat about what's stressing them out maybe they want more information on the likes of carers alliance or how to get mm-hmm. a carers assessment they could have organizations come in and talk to them about the supports that are available so there is a lot there is a lot there but it needs to go hand in hand with training i suppose with line managers yeah. because one of the issues we hear all the time is well my organization has that but my line manager does it differently from the line manager who oversees the oh, other okay. team so there's a lot yeah. of consistency issues there as well that we need to sort of address so there's, there's small things that you can do. And actually, the Equality Commission 
produced some good information there a few weeks back um, in relation to employers and what they could do to support carers who were returning to work. And I definitely yeah. think that's something to be worthwhile for employers to look into. Yeah, I think that would certainly help some employees as well, definitely. Um, so, Claire Anne, like I said before, we get a lot of parents phoning parent lines. So, what advice would you give parents listening to, to this podcast, especially ones that are stressed out at the moment you know they've had a couple of weeks with kids off school they they are also not just caring for their children but they have family members that they're caring for what advice could you pass on to them it's gonna sound hard but try and take some time for yourself you just you know if anything the report that we, we produced recently and i know it's not easy to do that but there's lots of information on both our website and i'm sure your, your own in relation to looking after your own health and well-being and yeah. self-care and the importance of that and, and i know it's easy for me to say that but it, it is vital that the carers particularly do take some time out of their day to sit back to read a book to get sleep when they can to have a conversation over the phone with somebody you know we are finding a lot of carers feeling very lonely and isolated as a result of all mm-hmm. everything that's going on at the minute so do you reach out and, and if you have somebody in your family or you know somebody in your street is a carer you reach out to them you know it doesn't have to always be the carer doing the reaching you reach out to them give them a wee phone call see how they're doing try and catch up with them I would say there, there is a lot of support out there for carers I and mean, you can find a lot on our website there's fact sheets on everything from how do you access a carer's assessment right through to, you know, when caring ends or changes, actually, when things start to maybe, maybe you've lost a loved one as a result of COVID or your loved ones, maybe you're having to think about those decisions about moving into the nursing homes and things. There's a lot of information there that can maybe ease some of that stress from you. So I would say have a look at those. If you're doing a carer's assessment, if you have a key worker involved in, in your family, talk to them about getting a carer's assessment and make sure you do that contingency planning. For a lot of carers, that concern, that worry, what will happen to the person I care for if something happens to me? Yeah. If you can at least alleviate some of that and have some of that down on paper that you know a health professional knows what your wishes are, they can they can obviously do that. And obviously the likes of yourself, parent line is a great sort of resource to have for parent carers in particular. And certainly we can offer advice particular to caring if anyone wants to give us a call on our numbers, 904-39-843. Or if you want to drop us an, an email at, at advice at carersni, we'll get some one of our advisors to come back to you and hopefully help you signpost you in the right direction. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Claire-Anne, for no joining problem. us today. Thank you for Thank having you. me.